Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I could do it and I couldn't. I was drinking water. No. Hello. You weren't drinking water. You were guzzling cum. You're so predictable. It's it's like I always have a a dick in my mouth. It's like I'm you. (laughs) You're me. You always have a dick in your mouth. Um, Hello. Welcome, everybody, to Broadway Breakdown. Uh, This is your co-host, Matt Koplick. And this is your other co-host, Lil Gurgles. (laughs) Lil Gurgles. I just, I just came up with that, but it's a song time lyric, you know? Yeah. Little gurgles. Oh, Darling, yes, 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 yes. So that's where's the cheesecloth? Absolutely. That's my rapper name, but also because I was just trying Little to gurgles. gargle, gargle that's, water. I think that's a good drag name, too. Little gurgles. Little gurgles. Please welcome oh my to the stage, gosh. Little gurgles. And our catchphrase, because it also kind of sounds like Urkel, could be like, Did I do that? <laughs> Little gurgles. Did I do that? I love that. Um, welcome, guys. So this is not... Oh, yeah. This is Broadway Breakdown. <laughs> yeah, no. So this isn't our last episode of the year, but it's our last episode together of the year. Um, yes. So uh, there will be one more after this, uh, My Obsession with James Crichton. I love James, though. James is very great. lovely. He, uh, yeah, his obsession is going to be a good one. I'm very excited. But Ooh. that's to say, I'm also very excited because my little bumbling homo is here in front of me, and I'm just so happy to see your stupid gay face. It's really nice. <laughs> it's like, uh, do I want my uh, my slaps with my sugar? You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's my, my compliment with my, uh, hey, you have you look like such a homosexual. Um, That's no, how it's, is it's, how is that a slap, bitch? No, Gay pride. No, I know, I know. I'm just I'm trying to like mask it. Up. No, could you believe? <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine if like suddenly after all these years I was like trying to pass for straight? Well, yeah. I mean, well, what's funny is um, we. D- <laughs> We just watched this uh, miniseries on Netflix called Don't Fuck With Cats, and I thought that maybe it was a mockumentary um, true crime series on Netflix, but it's not. It's not. It's, um, it's actually about how these bunch of Facebooker cat dorks um, started stalking someone who was filming videos of them hurting cats, and then they ended up being on an international hunt for a internet serial killer. What? <laughs> and it's a true story. Um Jesus. Jesus, tap dancing Christ. But what's really interesting is they have all these interviews of this guy who's the serial killer, and he's a sociopath through and through, but in different interviews, or like segments, 
it's weird to call them segments, but it is segments. He, w- he was, like, obsessed with being famous. Mm-hmm. So he would find his way into, like, interviews. Or, like, mm-hmm. he auditioned for, like, Canadian's version of the male America's Next Top Model. But every time he would, like, do an interview, he would make his voice lower and lower. And lo- it was so interesting. It was, like, so much internalized homophobia and mm-hmm. self-hate that this sociopath had. I guess sociopaths can self-hate. Maybe they can't. He hated gay people, though, but he was one. Well, he um, might have been... I mean, can sociopaths have shame? So I, think, I don't. I don't know. Are, isn't the whole point of sociopath that they don't necessarily have emotions, but they understand what emotions are? Or, or, or it's. I think they can't empathize with people. Like it's the complete yeah, inability to be like, oh, I understand that you were going through an emotion. It's like because I think they could get like frustrated. Like there were definitely moments in this where he's like frustrated or okay. he's. But it's it's amazing. It actually has like a crazy twist at the very end, um, but. But yeah, so that's why I'm I'm deepening my voice because I'm a sociopath. <laughs> yes, you. That are. was the longest the longest setup for the least um, beneficial punchline. That was so stupid. How are you? How's uh, how, how are things? I'm lovely. Trickster for kids. I'm just getting over being sick. Uh, yeah, same. Really I've sick. S- I've been sick for the last month. <laughs> it was so I uh, the New York City Gay Men's Chorus had their holiday extravaganza mm-hmm. last weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, honey. And, of course, I got sick, like, the week of it. Uh, sure. All those the, swapping of... Um, of, of penises. And oh, and penises. There's so many penises in and out. And it's like, how could I not get chlamydia, herpes, gonorrhea all in my throat? But... Again. <laughs> again! Like, I'm sorry. I, well, like, it, it was just Thanksgiving, so there you go. Um, but, <laughs> no, uh, I forgot how much I hated having to always, like, constantly worry about my, my voice and my throat because mm-hmm. I did get to go on for a solo for the first performance. No big deal. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, was, she was Buddy the Jewish Elf from Elf the Musical. And, <laughs> but it's... because Is Buddy of, Jewish? I'm Jewish. Well, I know, but... I made her Jewish. Did, did, did you, oh, okay. That's what I was. No. That's that's what I was no, getting at. I made her Jewish. Wow. What um, a brave choice, but I love it. Thank you so much. Um, but... <laughs> Because I was sick, like, it wasn't the kind of sick where it was, you know, like, oh, a little tickle in my throat. I'm like, I have to be extra careful. Like, yeah. Thursday through Sunday, it was every morning I woke up with no voice. <gasps> just, like, coated in mucus. Gay gasp. Gay gasp. Like, coated in mucus and, like, went on extreme vocal arrest, steaming every, like, <laughs> for hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, like, two, three hours before the performance, I, like, would get into the shower and just, like, force notes out to the point where, like, I was like, I have to get to the theater and be able to sing. So, like, I'm going to scream until this happens yeah you fantasia brino it yeah actually you know what it reminded me of and this is how you know i'm a faggot is uh if you read patty lapone's memoir she talks about with evita like for the last like year of her run in the show like every day she had to warm up for the show she turned on like every faucet in her kitchen because she was like the first 30 minutes of my vocalizing like would just be like cat noises like my voice was just so ragged and i was like yeah bitch i get it that's where i was at See, the thing that doesn't make you a gay man is that you've read Patti Lapone's memoir. The thing that makes you a gay man is that you you saw Patti Lapone's uh, like life story, and you're like, "That's my life story too. I am Patti. Yes. Me, Patti. Yeah, that's Patti. Am I? Bitch, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Me too, Patti. Patti, I be. Patti, I be. Uh, but otherwise, good. I'm actually in a really fantastic mood because, uh, so as everyone knows. In addition to being thirsty for dick, John and I are also thirsty for ratings and reviews on iTunes for I, podcasts. I woke up this morning and I was like, Matt's going to read a review. I can feel it in my bone. Like, uh, <laughs> the one bone. The John one bone. Um, I, 
I I knew it. Yeah. I, 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 and the thing is, I was like, well, you could just look, John. And I was like, no. no. I was like, I'm not going to look. I know that he is going to read a review. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I sixth sense it. I was like, <laughs> I see proud people. <laughs> like, I like... I, I, <laughs> okay. Here's the story. I can't even, like, be upset by any of this because, first of all, this review is just so good. Um, and is also, it a bad review? No, Why it's would good. Okay. No, I mean, like, it's so it's it's a good review. Like, I'm I'm so thrilled to be reading it. Oh, my God. So the challenge has always been to give me, like, a gay-ass review. Like, give me something. I want references to Smile, Sally Murphy, all the things. And this, <laughs> this review does all that. Okay. And I also had a warning that we were going to be getting this review. Someone who listens to the podcast DMs me and is like, I'm currently, like... He's like, I'm drafting my review now. I was like, yes, oh, this shit's going to be... come on, draft. Come on, drafting. She went to school. Uh, so, okay. Cue Light in the Piazza Overture music. Oh, my God. I'm in, now I'm intrigued. Oh, I'm no. like, oh. This is from Matt245. And I did not write this. This is a different person named mm-hmm. Matt, I swear. I swear, guys. Mm-hmm. I swear. I swear. I swear. Sure, revenge of Mike. <laughs> revenge of Mike. Justice for Mike. Five stars. The title is Gay Heaven. Oh, my God. And, it's, and, it's, and it states... Dear all homosexuals, this podcast is for you. If the name Sutton Foster stirs up a warm aura within your rectum, one, get an STD test. First of all, STI test. Thank you. And two, listen to this podcast from the very beginning. I don't know if I agree with that. (laughs) Choices. Choices. Have any spicy opinions on musical theater? Well, Matt Koplick has more than you. (laughs) (laughs) I like you, Matt 244. Matt 245. 245. And Matt Koplick has more than you. And they're all mostly about the brilliant Carousel Revival starring Sally Murphy, the ridiculous stupidity that was Finding Neverland, the slushy cut ballet from Big, or the relevance of Smile and how it's the perfect candidate for a New York City Center revival. Matt, you forever. Are you trying to get me to sleep with you because it's I, working? Yeah, I was gonna say. I think this is like a she loves me type romance. I know. Abutting. Coplic serves as the grounding force to John Miscavige's wide ranging tangents, usually occurring within the first minute of the episode because I cut out everything beforehand just to get it out of the way. <laughs> You're welcome. There has been a widely entertaining cast of co-hosts recently in John's absence. R.I.P. John. But all of their episodes are so informative and entertaining because John wasn't there for them. <laughs> He didn't write that part. I added that bit because uh, John wasn't there for them. And usually very, very gay. In parentheses, usually. the Sondheim Divas episode is required listening for your gay education. Uh, this entertaining podcast is best for your commutes, your showers, or even for losing your virginity. And if oh. you don't and if you don't agree with my review, I have only one thing to say to you. Be- 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 with you. I didn't even have to read it. I knew it. Yep. Wow. All in caps. Thank you, Matt245. That was gorgeous. Matt, you... You might be my most favorite Matt I've ever met. <laughs> it's true. You're my most favorite Matt, and I have to fucking live with me. Oh. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. What have you been up to in the world of theater? Shall we begin our um, foyer? I think we into should. the topic. Well, should we go first into your Iceland adventures? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I went. You to, went away. I went to Iceland. I went to Iceland. It was super stunning. Um, I thought I. I was very worried because I've never been on a vacation anywhere that has not been warm. Mm-hmm. And Iceland, although 
about the same temperature as it is here when it gets very windy and it, the weather there can change the drop of a, a, a drop of a hat drop of a dime drop of a hat dime yeah. drop of a dime of hat um <laughs> a hat full of dimes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. just very <laughs> very clunky um no it, it can change a lot so if you get what you need to have like waterproof clothes uh but yeah it was it was stunning. It was only f- like five hours of daylight each day. So that was weird, mm. especially when we landed because we landed early in the morning. But um, it was beautiful. If you ever have a chance to go, go. We saw so many um, beautiful things, uh, waterfalls. Uh, we hiked an ice glacier. We explored ice caves. Ooh. Mm. Big natural holes. Something you know all about. I mean, you're you're, um, bas- you're like Elsa in Frozen 2. You... I did feel like Elsa in Frozen 2 in that I had my first experience with Jangina. Mm, with Jangina. <laughs> um, but so I... Yeah, it, it, it was just stunning. Um, uh, what, what, we saw plates that like literally were moving apart from each other and new ground was like rising when we watched the sun rise over one of the oldest known volcanic field like lava fields it was just it was just stupid like i i loved it the only thing that was kind of sad was that we didn't see the northern lights there was no activity while we were there um but it was that sounds about right for you yeah uh, it was but the the city the john was there and nothing happened exactly no the city <clears throat> it's just like my brain um like i'm here but nothing's ever happening no um but no, it, it was it was just the, the city's really adorable. It's super gay. We went uh, yeah. our last night there. We went to their one gay club called Kiki and watched an Icelandic drag show. Aww. We got booed for being American, but then told that it was okay because we were from New York. Okay, because because they, they like did that thing of like you know they're like who's here? They're like who's from the Netherlands? Who's from the yeah. uh, who, anyone from the states? And like the two of us in the back were like woo, <laughs> and then someone I think it was a bunch of actually people from England. Uh, they were like boo, and I was like. I know, right? I know. Like, we suck. Although, like, to be fair, they're not... England's I know, not they, doing any better than we are, they, so. it, it, it was before. It was before they officially, like, sealed their, their fate in the yeah. last, like, week and a half or so. Mm-hmm. But, um... But, no, I, uh... I, I found that very funny. And But they were like, New York? And we're like, yeah. They're like, oh, no, 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 you're okay. Yeah. And we're like, we know. Ladies and germs, your co-host, Matt Koplik, saw Cats, the movie, the experience, the Jellical journey last night. Oh, well, never it was there ever. The cats are so clever as magical mist. Mastopheles, go Mastopheles. fuck yourself. Um, homo. Homosexuals. Um, okay. Do you want to like just f- full on get into it? No, yeah, like yeah, yeah. no I, finger. I, I, no. I, I told you like yeah. y- you can no like you don't have to worry about spoilers here. I guess if you out there are worried about spoilers, you can skip ahead a bit. But if you're worried about spoilers for, ca- I don't know. Like, you could, yeah, if you if you're worried about hey, if you worry that there are any spoilers to spoil in cats, right? Like, and then on top of that, like if that's something that truly concerns you, like in, talk to someone. Yeah, or like, just like go f- or need. like go fuck yourself. <laughs> One of the two. I truly don't care. No, I, I mean because here's the other other truth too. Like I will definitely be like having a, a chocolate or two mm-hmm. before I see it, and mm-hmm. so I, I mean if I even remember it, that that'll be a plus, I yes. guess. So. so I did say something a few weeks ago uh, that I would like to apply to cats, which is. Mm. 
Uh, this was about uh, when I do you remember when I said about Jagged Little Pill. I was like, I don't, I can't rightfully tell you that it's good. And if you were to tell me that it was, I think less of you. Officially, I, I now think less of the New York Times, but like that's not new. Well, yeah, I mean. yeah, but uh, like I didn't even read the rest of that review. I read the headline for Jagged Little Pill where he said like they fixed the jukebox musical, and I was like, I can't. If you thought this musical fixed it, like I, I can't help you. Anyway, uh, same thing about Cats the movie though, like. Did it you, get a good review in the Times? No. Okay. I'm, no. It got, it's it's twenty percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Oh, like I 32 know. Thirty two on Metacritic. Oh, I know. But there are I've read a couple of people who are like I legitimately enjoyed this. Like I thought it was good. To which I say you are allowed to enjoy this movie. Sure. You, this movie is batshit bonkers, and I'll get into like the craziness in a second. But if you were to objectively tell me that it's like a good movie, I. I'm like, who are you? Sure. What? Is, who hurt you? And what's your story? Sure. We, um, have, we have bigger issues here. If if that's what you think. If, if yeah, if you object, if you saw this movie and you're like, no, I actually thought this was well done. Yeah. I have nothing to say to you. Um. Okay. So, uh, do you want me to be like boring, like dig deep into it at first? I'm gonna I'm gonna be boring at one point. Do you want me to be boring first and then get to like the trashy trash, or do you want me to do trashy trash and then dig deep? Oh god. Because I've thought about this. Go go deep first, and then and okay. then be trashy. Okay. But, yeah. Okay. So the movie is relatively faithful to the stage show. First um, mistake. First mistake. <laughs> so like in terms of like what the basic plot is, and then the setting and the like the order of the songs and like the longevity of all the songs, and on top of all that, like the design of the cats themselves. I think we talked about this before. the The design of the cats in the movie is really just the design of the cats on stage, but CGI instead of makeup and costumes. Right. Um, which puts them into an uncanny valley. But also, when you're when you're in a theater, there are things that you forgive that you don't forgive on film. One hundred percent. It's just the case of everything, which is why you always, if you're adapting anything to a different medium, you have to ask yourself, like, what, what does this medium do? How does it serve the piece in a way that... Exactly. And, like, mm -hmm. if I'm going to make this work for this medium, what do I have to rethink to make it work for this medium? Uh, So, like, on stage, on stage, you know they're not cats, obviously. But also, like... What? I know, right? But there's something about the body language and the design where you're like, I'm going to buy into it for at least a little bit. Sure. And Because also, as, like... Theater kids, how, like, if you've taken an acting class even mm-hmm. once, you've probably been asked to roll around on the floor like a cat. I am such oh, a yeah. firm believer of that theory. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I went to dumb acting classes at a dance studio when I was in, like, sixth, fifth, sixth grade. And I'm sure one of the first things we did was, like, no, crawl around like a cat. Like, yeah. it, it's just, we. you can believe it because we've been there. We've, we've, had, to, we've had to pretend to be cats. We've been we in the trenches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but and so on top of all that, I can say with the original Broadway production, uh the spectacle was so extreme. Sure. Um like fully immersive, everything in that theater was designed within an inch of its life. So you like the moment you walked into that theater, you were like, "Okay, great. like this is the world I'm about to yeah. watch." Like and it made sense. Also, spectacle is more impressive live than it is in a movie. So like yes. to watch a giant tire levitate 12 feet in the air, is more impressive than watching Jennifer Hudson rise 200 feet on a CGI chandelier on screen. Of course. Yes, like, it's just things like that that kind of win you over. And then you can't substitute the energy of being in the room, of being all, all these other people. It's just, it's just, you know, it's, again, things that you forgive live that you can't forgive on film. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hooper and Andrew Lloyd Webber basically were like, well, it worked on stage-ish. Let's just do what they did and put it on film. Mm. 
and you know throw movie money at it mm. and immediately it's wrong like a imme- like the moment it starts the moment it starts you're like oh this is wrong we're off on um, the wrong path wrong because they they so the opening scene is they also like added a backstory where like McCavity is kidnapping all the contestants at the Jellicle Ball so he can be the only Jellicle choice to go to the heavy side layer. Uh. And there's a scene, and like, so he makes them like, dis- so he, I guess he can do magic or something. I don't know. But he, it's very inconsistent. He kidnaps them, like, makes them disappear. And then they wind up on a barge. And he, so he kidnaps Rebel Wilson, Ian McKellen, James Corden, Skimbleshanks, and then eventually Judy Dench. And I was, honey, that's my Tuesday night, honey. Oh, my Tuesday night, honey. But I, uh, I was with uh, our friend Mike Bellow, and he turns to me, he goes, "Every famous person in the movie is is on that barge." And then Taylor Swift was on the barge at one point as well. Oh, they she can play, have it. She plays McCavity's uh, like cohort. Sure. So she doesn't show up until like an hour and a half into the movie, and then she only has six minutes of screen time. She literally sings McCavity, says one line, and then that's it. Well, doesn't she have that new song? No. The new song is for the white cat, Victoria. She sings, Taylor Swift sings Beautiful Ghosts over oh, the Oh, and the way that like Demi Lovato sings Let well, It Go. Like, exactly. And, exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's, gr- it's gross. Um, but so they're like all on the barge, all of them. And Mike Bella turns to me and he goes, every famous person in the movie is in this is in this scene. And I said, this is the most expensive scene in the movie. Because that's where all the money went. It went to the CGI and Judy Dench. Uh, yeah. But so the opening scene is like, it's shots of not even London, of just like, the whole movie takes place within like four blocks of London. Okay. Just, just four. Like it starts with Trafalgar Square, but then it like just goes into these three blocks where like, there's a theater, there's a milk bar, there's a home, there's an alley. And, like, it's just everything takes place within all those areas. Um, sure. And so the opening scene, which is legitimately just the overture, like, half... Part of the reason they also are able to get away with putting in so much of the music is that they, like, up the tempo to everything. Oh. So, like, we'll do the whole nine-minute Jellicle Ball, but we're going to up the tempo so it's actually five minutes. Um, uh. Yeah, Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, but so they do the overture, and it's the full original 1981 orchestration. So it's like synthesizer heavy, up like ramped up to cocaine, and like crazy Tom Hooper like steady cam, sh- shaky oh, cam shots all over the place to like give you the sense of urgency. But nothing is happening. All that's really happening is a car is driving with like a cat in it, and a, and a cat's like in a bag. Basically, and the woman who's driving the <laughs> well. Cats in cat, the bag. Cats in the bag. The woman's driving the car to like throw the cat out into the alleyway. Like to which I'm like, this oh. woman went through a lot of trouble to get rid of her cat since she just like threw it out into the alleyway. But so like the idea is that this woman throws her cat in a bag out into the alleyway, and then all these jellical cats see it and then circle around it and then cut it open, and out comes the white Victoria cat. This new character. Yes. Yeah. Our, okay. Yes. Our intro to the jellical world for this two minute scene, right? So you, it should be thirty seconds, and you would think like. With no music whatsoever, you're like, okay, what a, what an okay 30-second intro. It is a two-minute, shaky, quick-cut uh, intro with the or- overture playing, and it's the, it's the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
if 40 people are singing together and then the camera's like close up on one person. He makes them louder. Yes. Uh huh. I know. I remember. Like, I. I had a lot of qualms with him and like Les I like Miz, Les Mis because yeah. I just love Les Mis, but I also was like, oh my god, why did this director make these choices? Yeah, because he doesn't understand how musicals work. No, obviously um, not. And like I, I think there are moments of the Les Mis movie that are actually quite good, and I a lot of moments well. that are not. Um, I think I said it before. The songs in the Les Mis movie that work are the ones that I thought were going to be terrible and the ones that I'm like, this is going to blow the roof off for the ones that I was most disappointed by. Yeah. Um, like, I thought Lovely Ladies was going to be exceptional and I was so disappointed with how it turned out. Yeah. Uh, same, like, Cats is sort of the same thing. There's nothing, there's nothing great about it. Best case, there are times when it's just sort of mediocre. Mm. Like, the Ian McKellen song, Gus is the Theater Cat, it's sort of just like, fine. You're like, okay. watching and you're like, okay. And like, Mr. Mistopheles, okay. Okay, so there is a gentleman sometimes at the lovely piano theater bar Maurice Crisis who, no matter what song we sing, and I haven't been there in a long time, but like anytime I was there and he was there, no matter what song we were singing, whether it was One Day More or Oklahoma or Take Me or Leave Me from Rent, this man would sing counterpoint in countertenor. So he's a counterman. Oh. So like we would be like, Take Me, baby, or Leave Me, and he would go, Woohoo! You would do that. No matter the song. Always shit like that. In Mr. Mistopheles, you start to hear this like pingy soprano like counter line happening. And you're going, what is that? And then all of a sudden you realize it's Jason Derulo. You're like, is that a theremin? Yeah. No. (laughs) Everyone's going like, oh, well, never was there ever. And you start hearing like, and as everyone's gathering towards the camera, you're like, that's Jason Derulo. Like, cause he's in like the third row of people in this group heading towards the camera. And you're like, not only is he singing the only person singing this line, he's like far from the background. So it's like, not even, it's not even like a bold choice. It's just a thing. Um, cats. And then also, so, okay. And I've, I've already gotten into like the camp factor, but I'm going to go back into like boring, dig deep stuff for a quick second. Okay. Uh, there's two things that bother me just in terms of like, storytelling wise one is that the stage show cats is very unapologetic about like this is the very thinnest of plots and like just you're gonna be into it yeah 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 yeah. like yeah i I was actually shocked the first time i saw how unapologetic it was about the fact like yeah yeah it's cats yeah that's what it is well cats and like it's and it's sort of that thing of you know you're either gonna be on board with this or you're not yeah and there's something to admire about that whether and and i will say when i was a kid i did like really love the show and i would watch that vhs all the time and seeing it on broadway was like a very like huge experience yeah i saw the revival as an adult after having like not been with it for a while and i had two thoughts one was oh the music's actually better than i remember like it's actually quite interesting andrew Lloyd weber music and then also oh right it's just this for two hours like yeah. it is song after song of just like we each are going to introduce ourselves as to why we should be the jellical choice and then the movie adds a bunch of dialogue to explain all this, right. which makes it even worse. Yeah, I remember that in, in one of the um, trailers, and it seemed like, uh, uh, what is the word? A mistake. <laughs> What's that thing my mom calls me? Right, a uh, mistake. mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's a lot of dialogue. Um, 
so like they were smart to make one character new to it all so that way there was like a sure. way in that's because yeah. that's that's a smart thing about harry fresh potter eyes. fresh eyes that's the thing about harry potter that's so smart is harry is new to it all so we as the reader learn about the world because harry's learning about the world mm. so that's that was a smart choice what wasn't smart it was like literally over explaining everything mm. to the point where like half the time you're like come on exposition um like after uh Jellicle songs my, Robbie Fairchild's one point he's just is like he's like every like a cat will get to be reborn into a new life and we each get to uh, state our case and who we are and what we do and I'm like and then he goes right into Gumby Cat and I'm like so you want it to be extra clear about what's happening and then they added the McCavity subplot and then the Victoria plot and then they like added a bit more backstories to characters so they're like Who's Grisabella? She used to be the star on the stage, but then McCavity took her, and now she's this. And which adds more questions, because I'm like, what did McCavity do? Right. Well, he he's like a rapist. Yeah. Like, right? That, that's, but, like, that's, that's, like, that's Trevor Nunn. That, that's the that's Trevor Nunn did. rule of cats. Yes, that's yeah. what Trevor Nunn added to it. That's not in the text. That's like any production you're doing that's not directed by Trevor Nunn, that's not what it is. He's just like, Bumbalorina, you were raped by McCavity. You're also clairvoyant. So anytime he's within 100 feet of you, you shout, McCavity! Fun fact that we all just learned, Trevor Nunn is the same voice as Stewie. He is just a little bit. <laughs> they're, 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 it's Bumbalorina. the same person. They are the same person. Um, yeah, crazy, crazy. And the Mucinex budget on this movie alone must have been insane because every time... <laughs> Every time there's a close-up of Jennifer Hudson, she is either crying or snot is coming down her nose. Yes. I, that was one tweet that I read was that she gives Viola Davis a run for her money mm-hmm. um, when like, it comes to snot crying. So much and, crying. And I'm intrigued by that. Well, it, it's almost to the point of like proving that she can rather than because it's necessary. Sure. Or Tom Hooper was like, I got Anne Hathaway an Oscar by doing this, so let's right. do it again. It's like, let's, let's rub, some, rub some Vicks Vapor Rub all under your sinuses exactly. and see what kind of magic we can Exactly. The, and then one last thing in terms of just, like, digging deep, and then we'll get back to trashing. Speaking of Grisabella, so at the end of the show, Grisabella is the one who gets to go to the heavy side layer. Spoiler alert. Oh, God damn it. In the show... And so, like, people... The joke about cats is always how it's about, like, a cult that sacrifices somebody at the end. Right, because, you know... Yeah. They're just killing someone. Like, yeah, you're going to live again and be reborn. But so this is the smart thing that the show did that I didn't realize was smart until I saw the movie. Or at least in terms of the original production. So that tire would raise and Grisabella would be on it. And you're like, oh, cool. Like, they have magic. That's cool. That's cool, 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 cool. And then a giant claw would come out of the sky to accept Grisabella into the heavy side layer. Wait, really? Yeah. I've well, never you, seen the original production. It, I know that DVD exists. Yeah, but. I mean I mean the DVD, it's not it doesn't even do justice to what it was like on Broadway. You can actually watch a video of the Broadway production doing it and you get an idea of the scope of it because like the claw literally came out of the ceiling above the audience oh. um, whereas in the VHS like the tire kind of only raises like eight feet and just stays put and then the yeah. claw comes from off stage which is still kind of cool but not as cool as it was on Broadway point is is like the claw subconsciously you're like oh like this isn't all just in their heads like there is something on the other side that is going to accept the, uh, accept them into the heavy side layer which one I, giant monster cat one giant monster cat but, like t- so a movie came out this year called Ready or Not. I don't know if you saw it. It's um, the one that had like the bride on the, the bride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't see it, but people people say it's kind of like in that Knives Out, which I also want to see yes, Knives I Out. See but Knives like out in that, too. yeah, yes, it's it's it was surprisingly quite good. Yeah, I've heard that from multiple people. Um, and I'm, I am going to spoil something, which is that uh, 
the whole purpose of her being hunted by this rich family is that it's a sacrifice. Every now, every couple of years, they have to sacrifice someone to this like spirit that gives them all the things that they've had. And the end of the movie, like the very end of the movie, there's a brief moment where you think, oh, this all could have been fake and for nothing. Like, and they've been sacrificing people for no reason. Mm. And then they all start exploding. And then it's like, oh no, it is. There was a reason to do it. They start exploding. They start exploding. But like, and and it's meant. It's like meant to be. Like Funny. ridiculous, yeah. yeah. Um, because the first hum- uh, humorous part of it is how like they all are cowering because like it's gonna happen and then nothing happens. I'm like, oh my god! And like you, see, it dawns on all their faces like we've been killing women for years for nothing, <laughs> and then they start exploding. And it's like, no, it was for something. Um, and so th- it's that thing with cats. And what I didn't a clear moral. And I didn't realize subconsciously what how that worked on Broadway until I saw the movie. Because in the movie, she goes up in, like, a chandelier attached to a hot air balloon, and then full-on just disappears into the sky. You mm-hmm. don't see any, like, anything from the other side that's accepting her. She just disappears into the clouds. To which I'm like, that bitch is going to be dead in a day. Like, that balloon is going to pop. She's going to fall to the ground. There's nothing on the other side. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's, um, there's, I'm, I'm, like, referencing things left and right today. But there's also a South Park episode where the boys think that the whale at, um... SeaWorld is actually an alien sure. because the guys at SeaWorld are fucking with them. Sure. And so they go through this whole thing in the episode to like put the whale back on the moon where they think the whale lives. And then at the end of the episode, they're like looking into the sky. They're like, I think Shamu is smiling at us right now from, from the moon. And then they cut to the moon and Shamu is like fully dead sure. on the moon because it's a whale. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, all those cats, because at the end of the movie, they're like, we're all jellical cats and it's wonderful. And they disperse like as they look into the sky and the balloon goes off into the clouds. I wanted an extra shot of, like, the Atlantic Ocean, the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, where there were all these, like, busted hot air balloons. Oh. And sky- busted hot air balloons with cat skeletons, because all those cats just fully died. I mean, they had the CGI to do it. Now I'm disappointed. They did. They did. But they didn't finish until, like, four days ago. That's, like, I know. that's I, the tea. I actually heard that some people, when they saw the screener, saw a 75% done version, where, like, literally, at one point, um, you saw Judy Dench in, like, full green screen. Yeah. Like, and I was like, oh my God, that's insane. what I would have done to have What seen I would have that. given to see that. Oh, what would I give if I could live out, out of these, these waters? waters. Um, I feel like that's what some people said in the, in the film. Uh, any lingering questions for me uh, before you see it? Because you're going to see it. And I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see it. I mean, I, I know it's, it's going to be bad. Yeah. I hope it's not. Um, I mean, I guess that's kind of unfair to say. I, I guess what's more fair to say is I hate cats. I've always sure. hated the musical. And you're um, going to hate the movie. Yeah. And so I'm going to see it because I'm going to support it. And for some people, it's going to be a magical introduction into the land of musical theater. Um, I really don't think so. I, you know, even if one person... There could be 100 people in the room and 99 don't like the movie Cats, but you just need the one person to like the movie Cats. Exactly. That's what I've been saying for years. Um, no. So, uh, you know... I'm going to go try to have fun. Yeah. I mean, you can have fun. I had fun watching it. I did realize after ha- after the first half hour that my mouth was fully open. Sure. Well. I mean. Well, oh, honey. What else, what else is a new? That's just my DNA. No, I. 
I mean, I try to go in with everything with an open mind, and like I knew this wasn't going to be good. Sure, but I I went in not wanting to hate watch it. Like I went to yeah, I guess that's true. I, I really don't want to hate watch it. That's... I went to I pick at Fulton Market. Like I I went to a nice theater. I had wine. I had food. Like I wanted oh. to make it a luxurious experience. I was like, I want to enjoy the experience of watching this, if, sure. even if I don't like the movie. Sure. And it again, it is objectively not a good movie. It is not well made. It is not well shot or well mixed or well written. Um, the best you can say about the acting is like very few people are embarrassing. Like, they all commit to it. Mm. But that's the other thing about the movie that's batshit is, like, how seriously they truly take it. Yeah. Um, but they also try to have it both ways. So they have, like, James Corden and Rebel Wilson doing the, like, meta commentary on the side while everybody else is like, huh, huh, Right, huh, huh. right. I, I heard that they, like, um, it just sounds like they're improv the whole time. Like, oh, absolutely. It sounds like they, like, literally just were like, all right. Go go ahead, yeah. guys. Do do what you want to do. Yeah. It's no, it's absolutely insane. The, also, like the dimension, the not dimensions, the scale, the scale of everything the, is off. The scales really bothered me in every preview that I've seen, and I was like, maybe it works better when you're in the no. full world, and I just don't see it because it's also inconsistent. Like there are times where they are fit to scale, and times where they're too small, and times when they're too large. Yeah, as I say, sometimes it looks like they're the size of mice. Yeah, and then the mice look like they're the size of cockroaches. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, oh, honey, mm-hmm. cock that roach. Um, no, it's. There was something else I was going to say, and I already forgot. Like, I truly can't pinpoint anything anymore because it's all just a giant blur. It's all just a big hairball. Yeah. But the thing to remember is when you're watching and you're like, people worked hard on it. It's like, yeah, people worked hard on this. And like, we're going to get paid anyway. Yeah. But also, like, hundreds of people had to sign off on all of these decisions that were made. Yeah. If like a hundred studio executives had to see the CGI for that cat and go, yeah, that's, this is going to work. Yeah. Which just goes to show, like, success doesn't buy you taste. Like, it does, you don't have to be good at what you do to become successful. You don't have to be smart at what you do to become successful. So, guys, put yourself out there. <laughs> McCavity, McCavity. Make your own cats. Make but your don't. own. No, oh my god, Please what I don't. would give. We've had, we have, we've had enough uh, iterations of I want to do a one-man show that's oh, just about no. the creation of the movie of Cats through a series of conference calls. Actually, a one-man version of the show Cats might be hysterical. Just Cat. Cat. Like one person playing, wait, I might do this. Starring Cat Demery. Come see my 54 Below show. Not Cat show. Starring Cat, what's her face? Down, uh, from Cat Denning. Cat Denning, Denning, that's it, yeah. Um... Cat Demery yeah. is a girl I went to camp with. Whoa. Sorry, guys. Cat <laughs> Denning. Oh, I know Cat from camp. Sure. No, um, yeah, one person. Come come see my one person show of Cats of 54 Below called Cat. Mm-hmm. Ugh, guys, guys, guys. If you want to see it for yourself, go see it for yourself. Uh, it is an hour and 45 minutes. So, and with 15 minutes of previews, like, take that into that's account. Not, that's not horrible, but it's not great. No, uh, it's just, there are, there are times when you're like, I can see what you were trying to do here and you fail at it, but mm. I see what you're trying to do. And then there are times where you're like, what were you even trying to do? Yeah. And then other times you're like, so like Rebel Wilson zips off her cat outfit to reveal another cat outfit, but it's not as if like she's wearing, it's not even like it's a Judy Dench fur coat where you're like, right. your coat is made of your own skin. It's she's literally wearing a Buffalo Bill Silence of the Lambs second skin that she zips off and then has like a vest with fur underneath it. And you're like, 
Are what? you trying to get me to love the movie Cats? Because now I'm intrigued. Now I'm intrigued. Now I'm aroused. But it's one of those things where it's like, well, it worked on stage because like she had a fur coat on stage that she took off to reveal another you know layer of fur underneath. But it's like, yeah, once again, that was theater. Right. It's it's easier to to suspend that disbelief. Yeah, no. and it's all implication and 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 yeah, as you said, suspension disbelief. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Cats. I look forward to seeing you. You get a you get a toot. <laughs> you get a toot from us, cats. A toot? Oh, very a nice. Toot. I, I wanted to toot when I saw it. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. You're a Coolidge doll. I have something I kind of want to talk about, which, oh? uh, it, it's kind of like a, I feel like it's, it, it's definitely two separate things, but they, they've kind of both happened, or I, I've been reading about them this week, and so they, they kind of really had me thinking, um, that's new. I know it was, and so it was scary. I was like, "Oh my god!" No, um, the first one I read was an article in uh, Vulture about uh, this woman who went back to go see. She was like, "Normally, every decade, there's like one juggernaut of musical theater that mm-hmm. like defines that decade." And she's like, "You could did the you, Helen did you read the Helen Shaw article. I didn't read it, but I, I've read about it." Yeah, and so. Um, and basically, it was like we had two de- like clear ones this this decade, and so it's about her going back and seeing Book of Mormon and Hamilton post like Trump era, like post yeah. like you know like where we were in twenty eleven and then twenty fifteen to where we are now, yeah. and like politically, socially, um, uh, you know, woke culture, cancel culture, Me Too culture, mm-hmm. um. Uh, Trump era. I mean, we were both under, uh, we were in Obama era, which was very different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, racially, there was a lot of different ideas that we thought this nation was going to go. Um, and so I read the article and it was really interesting. Um, I think a lot of really great points were made um, that I hadn't thought about previously when seeing both of these shows. Um, you know, she, she really talked about the racism of like the Ugandan, uh, people in Book of Mormon. She's like, the show is so fucking funny, but she's like, once you get to Africa, you, it, it's, it's hard to keep laughing Yeah, because yes, they're definitely making jokes. And, and I was even trying to think with my experience with the show, I was like, I'm trying to remember, but at this point I haven't seen it in like five years, but she was, she was talking about how like the jokes go from kind of like mocking the religion and like you know, you know to making fun of these black characters it's it's like you know when um Nabalongi is typing on a typewriter and calls it texting is that making fun of like just saying that it's like a dumb black girl um or like a, you know a dumb ugandan and like all the aids jokes and all the jokes about them fucking babies and so it was really interesting because it, it you know my my brain kind of split in two where i was like I always took it as a social commentary and, like, the fact of, like, it's comedy. It's extremist comedy. You know, it's like, I don't think these guys were like, yeah, we really think that, like, black people are out there, like, fucking babies and, you know, giving everyone, you know, trying to actively, like, contract AIDS or, like, <clears throat> thinking that you if you get rid of, you can fuck a baby and get rid of AIDS. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I thought about, like, the fact that it is, you know, if if I were a person of color watching this character say these things, would I be offended? Would I be offended? Would I think that I was being made fun of? And so I, I definitely saw validity on both sides because I, 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 I think that for comedy, and especially the guys from South Park, 
mm-hmm. they've been extremists in everything that they do. Yeah. And and I think that you know, it's it's very they've always been a fair game a fair game kind of like mm-hmm. comedic team. We make fun of everyone horribly and we go to the extremes that it's so absurd that you're like this is not reality this is just but it's said so genuinely and you know that there's some truth to it so not not truth but like it's just that like there are people that either think this or like think that people think this or you know yeah it's so sincere that it it becomes the character's truth um there are the so i haven't read the article i would like to i've I'm the, I don't subscribe to Vulture, so I'm I, it's that uh, article limit thing. So I have oh, to wait till yeah. January first to read it. Yeah, it has to be the uh, times all the fucking time. Yeah, um, I will say, and it, it is, I have not seen Mormon since it opened. Right, same. but so f- before I even get to like the specifics of Mormon, from what I remember, I will say like Parker and Stone, Trey Parker and Matt Stone's style of comedy is dangerous only because it is extreme and. Th- they're not always um, putting their opinion on it. Like, right. They they will do it from time to time. Like, and when they do, like, it is very obvious. Right. Um, but there are times when they sort of just make fun of both sides in such an extreme way that rather than, like, figure out what kind of comment they're trying to make, it more sort of exposes the subconscious of the person who's watching it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. So that, and that's what, that's the danger of it only because, like, it makes both sides feel justified. Um, mm-hmm. Like, uh, and Veep is actually the same way. Mm-hmm. I've, Julie Lee Dreyfus always says how, like, Republicans and Democrats come up to her like, oh, you got them good. And yeah. she's like, We're, it's everyone. It's literally everybody. Yeah. Um, Mormon, I actually think, is a little more restrained for them, from what I remember, because I don't think that they are actually making fun of Ugandans. If anything, I think that they are much more... Uh, they have more tact with a lot of the Ugandan characters than they do with the Mormon characters. I think the Mormon characters are truly like dragged through the mud a bit. Uh, Nabulungi, the texting joke I actually remember, and I don't think it's make it's. It, I never thought it was meant to make her seem dumb, but rather this person who is just you know not informed like of that right. of that specific thing. And the joke is rather this is what she thinks it is because no one's told her otherwise. Well, right, um, and, and just the the sheer like. I, I think it also puts a huge spotlight on the fact that, like, we're so conditioned to think, like, yeah, like, everyone in the world is on Facebook and texting yeah. and has Instagram, blah, blah, blah. And there are still people in third world countries that have none of this. Absolutely. But, uh, you, you know, like, and so I, I definitely agree with so much of what you're saying. And I've read it two times. I read mm-hmm. it a, cu- a couple days ago. And at first I was actually, like, I was way more on the side of, like, I actually think this person is, like, being a little you know, spitting a bit of a narrative. Like, mm-hmm. I think they're maybe being a little, um, you, you know, like maybe pandering to, towards like a community of like, of cancel culture or, or like, you know, try, trying yeah. to find... Of burning it all down to the ground culture, sure. Yeah. And 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 I, and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But but then something really interesting is happening at my alma mater. And I it, it's not an exact connection, but I think in some ways it is... Um, and especially because, although I have not seen Slave Play, and I know that you had mm-hmm. opinions about Slave Play, I think there are a lot of pieces right now that are very actively racial, racially charged. Yeah, absolutely. And are starting a lot of conversations. Um, but so I went to Plain Park University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. and That's not something to be proud of. I know. <laughs> no, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I really did enjoy going to school there. Um, and so basically, uh, an 
a huge thing happened a couple weeks ago where they canceled their big fall musical. Like it was about to open and they mm. just canceled it. And like they, it, was it, that it wasn't able to adding open. machine. It was adding machine. Mm-hmm. And so it was about a, a lot of, they created a forum and a lot of students, especially students of color felt very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, very uncomfortable, very um vulnerable, very marginalized by this show. And this debate was sprung up because it's like, our teachers or like people keep saying, oh, well, in our careers, you know, you're going to have to play roles of like, you know, marginalized people. Like you're going to be playing historically correct black Mm -hmm. characters, which may include playing slaves. And and there may be the use of um, really uncomfortable language. But the students' points, which I I thought was really valid, was the the idea that um, that's true. But at Point Park, they're... um, there, it says in the rule books for especially scholarship students, um, and I had to actually deal with this when I was a senior because I was I ended up booking a professional gig my uh, second to last semester, but I was a scholarship student, and they were like, you need to still audition for everything. Mm-hmm. And so scholarship students are required. So a lot of these black students are scholarship students and were required to audition, and then because they're talented and, you know, and what the show requires, they got cast in it. And then, you you know, you can't really turn it down because yeah. you're required as a scholarship student. Um, and so these kids were saying, like, I get that, and I totally get that, like, I'm going to have to push the bounds of, like, what I may be comfortable with, but they're like, we don't have a choice in this instance. Like, yeah. we are being forced into the situation. And so, I was like, oh, like, I, I think that's actually really great that, that it's canceled then. But then, um, under, like, the final line of the this article was like, students are also beginning to talk about the spring production of Parade and canceling that. And that's when I was like, oh... I don't know about this. Like, because actually the last time Point Park did Parade, I was in Parade. Mm-hmm. And so it, w- it would be the first time since. And I, I don't know if I've talked about my experience with Parade. I feel like I have because of, of my tangents. Thanks, Mike245. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I've talked about it before, but like I actually did not have a good experience with my with my college production of Parade. My grandma died during the time. Um, my director uh, took me right after I got back from my grandma's funeral and everyone had been like, you're going to be Leo Frank, you're going to be Leo Frank. And then he casted our, like, Billy Bigelow type as Leo Frank, or Hansing leading man as leading Fra- uh, Leo Frank. Yeah. Uh, P.S., this man is a Tony winner and a Broadway actor, but, like, who was directing. And okay. right after my grandma died, um, he was he literally called me and was like, I made a mistake, and I need you to secretly start learning Leo Frank, and I'm going to pull the lead. Um, but then he didn't do it. And then he didn't do it. And then he also lied to me about, he was like, you'll definitely get performances, the understudy. It it was a, a whole big mess. So like, I didn't enjoy Parade. Sure. But I also think that it was a really beautiful production. Um, a lot of people really shined in our in our school. And Point Park does have um, a good amount of diversity among their students. So actually, you know, I, I felt like our, our, our cast had a, a good amount of representation, not just a bunch of white kids on stage, mm-hmm. um, which is really easy in college programs. Um, and so I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about Parade. Like, that kind of makes me feel weird because I think it is, has a lot of historical validity. I think that there's racism, but I also think there's a lot of anti-Semitism in it. Like, I think it speaks volumes on a lot of different levels. And, and, and you know, like, and then I was like, well, I'll see what happens. And so this last week, an article came out that was from Pittsburgh, and it was like, Point Park cancels spring production of Parade. 
And so I was like, oh, like it happened. Like they actually did. And so one of the teachers posted it on Facebook and or actually, no, it wasn't even a teacher. It was a local costume designer that I'd worked with professionally in Pittsburgh. And I think he sometimes works with the school, but not, not a lot. But he um, he's good friends with the director, Tomei Cousins. Oh, Tomei was supposed to direct The Adding Machine. Mm-hmm. So he had like posted this article and was like, this is really interesting. I don't know how I feel about this. And... I was like, I was reading some of the comments and I, I read the, I read the article and it was kind of the same thing. The students really expressed like, you know, where scholarship students were forced to audition for this and, and the students made some really good points. But then what was really, really eye-opening to me was an, a, a black actor in Pittsburgh who, who's still there and works a ton. Um, and he was a year older than me at Point Park and he was very talented. Um, and and we're, we're good friends. We've always been very supportive of each other. Like he's, I've, I've, I've always like looked up to him because I think he's so incredibly talented and just grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can imagine being grounded is not something that comes very natural, naturally to me. No, we're very light in our loafers. Yeah. And so um, he commented and he was in the production of Parade with me. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he's probably going to say like, you know, I was in this production. I felt really like safe. And um, it wasn't that. And he he talked about how jarring it was to be forced. And he he played um I think his name's Bill not Bill Conklin. I, the, the, Jim Conley, the one who sings. Uh, no, no, no. He was he was the old janitor who like oh. actually is suspected to maybe have done it. Yeah. But like is is like a false witness, yeah. and and it, it's a pretty big role. Yeah. Um, but it's an older man character. Um, and he. He talked about a lot about um, how hurtful it was to be like in this situation where he was playing this older black like character and had to witness so many of his white classmates use the N word sometimes at him, mm-hmm. sometimes you, you know like in the Jim Conklin uh, scene where he kind of you know that's what he said. It disintegrates to this racial, anti-Semitic, you know, the the, yeah. the choir. Like, yeah. I, I remember learning the music to it, and our music director had to ask the question, who wants to sing the line? Or does anyone, would anyone mind, not, doesn't want. He's like, would anyone mind singing the line, hang him, hang the N-word? Yeah. And a, a white kid raised his hand and was like, oh, I'll, I'll do it. I mean, he was kind of like a class clown, and like, you know, you know like, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it was done really distastefully like when it was done in performance it was not but like i remember thinking like really weird like why would you that yeah. it was very weird that he like volunteered so quickly yeah and and, and like have, having a reminder of that memory and then having this actor that i really respect and who i was in a show with and had a bad experience but not knowing that he had had a bad experience and not knowing that he never felt comfortable enough to like express this was just really eye-opening to me and really kind of like connected in a way of like okay what is the answer is there an answer am 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 i by making excuses for things that could be like racially insensitive in book of mormon is that my own white privilege and i had also recently just watched um chelsea handler's documentary um dear privilege it's me chelsea mm-hmm. and it's all about white privilege and it's really interesting because it's a white woman doing a documentary about 
white privilege. And she tries to interview a lot of black people, but then a lot of black people end up saying, white privilege actually isn't our issue. It's white people's issue to figure out. Mm-hmm. Like, you, we sometimes have to, like, literally... Um, comfort white people with their white guilt and their white tears and this and it it, it was all really eye-opening to me and I don't have an answer but like I I don't know it it made me go from thinking about Book of Mormon and thinking that like maybe this woman was being too sensitive to being like maybe I'm not being sensitive enough you know I had no idea that this classmate was going through this Mm -hmm. and like I would if there was a a word that was extremely triggering to me and had had I mean uh I, I I just imagine there has to be a lot carried carried along with that, and like the fact that he had to hear that and and, and never felt comfortable expressing it was it was it was it, it it really struck a chord with me, and and it made me start thinking about like crap, am I guilty? Are we guilty? What is the answer? Is there an answer? Or and this is a big thing in the uh, privilege dialogue or privilege documentary is that like white people have to have this dialogue, and it's our um. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to have it with each other and to poke and prod each other. And I was like, you know, here's what that woman was doing in a lot of ways. And like, I think it's good that she did that because I had never thought about the jokes in Uganda or once we got to Africa, the amount of racism that might creep in or that I might not think is racist, Mm -hmm. but a black person might think is racist. Because, I mean, that was the other thing in this documentary that Chelsea Handler did was that she interviewed a bunch of white Republican women in the South and their biggest um, thing that they said about everything was, well, I don't think white privilege exists because so, I don't see it. But it's like, well, no, we know white privilege exists. But it's yeah. like, so do we do that to things, uh, other things? You know, do, do we do we go, oh, I don't see it, so it must not exist. It's, yeah. it, and so I, 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 and from watching them say that and then reading all of this and going, oh, crap, you know, like, I'm guilty too. Like, I... I, we, we really have to start having this conversation more. And I, I, I really want to see Slave Play before it closes. Um, because I, I think I've heard I've heard really mixed things from everyone across the board. Like, I've heard people love it. Um, I, I did a, a, a play reading a, a couple weeks ago with a large uh, majority of Black people in the cast. And they, um, they actually all did not like it. Mm. Um, it was actually like across the board and I was just really intrigued by that because I was like, oh, interesting. I thought like, you, you know, from from the way Jeremy O'Harris like uh, talks and presents a lot of things, I, I would have thought, it, it, I, I, I just know, I, I know I need to see it because yeah. I know it's a lot more um, nuanced Well, you also, and you also saw Talk Back Tammy. I saw Talk Back Tammy, yeah. of course. Fucking Talk Back Tammy. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so that's my little soapbox end of the yeah. year, new decade going in, white accountability check. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's, it wouldn't be close to Christmas and New Year's if we didn't have that. I do want to piggyback on that for a second. I don't want to undermine the validity of Helen Shaw's article, again, because I haven't read it yet. I think it's a very important thing to do is, is to check works that were written in a time of maybe not peace, but less turmoil and and more hope and seeing how they've aged. And definitely, definitely with Trey Parker and Matt Stone, like they they a do not write comedy that is for everybody, and also not always comedy that ages super well. Uh, and I do think that it's an important thing to to clock. In terms of the parade and adding machine things, I think I don't know what the answer is. I do think, as you were saying earlier, though, conversation is the key. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily think that 
Parade is a show that should just be canceled in general. I don't. I don't think um, that either. The, the, let me be clear. Well, I, I definitely don't think that either because I think there's validity to it well, as a historical uh, yeah. moment. Of and something I think we did. What it is though is that it's it's balanced. So it's. I think what's hard. And again, and I said this about slave play and just in general. Like I. I am a white person. That mm-hmm. is factual. Uh, yes, yeah, very factual. I'm quite pale. I will never, ever know what it is to have the African-American experience. I just will never know. I, yeah. And same thing with, uh, with the Latin experience and, and female experience. Like, I just won't know. I, I try to listen as much as I can. And I try to empathize and, and constantly check myself. And I'll, I mean, I always slip up. We all do. We're humans. But I try to really think about it and push myself forward in that respect uh i think for me because this is sort of why i get mad with the queer community every time there's a queer story that comes out and people are like well it's not representative enough and i'm like it's not representative enough because no story ever is the the answer is to have multiple stories that tell various perspectives and then it feels like in more like an even playing field Mm -hmm. and perhaps the answer is just more diverse choices of everyone's uh experience with their journey as uh, with their ethnicity with their gender their sexuality so you know having adding machine and parade in the same season i think is an oversight because it's one specific uh element of the african-american experience told in two separate musicals it's like have two different musicals where your students can really go opposite ends of the spectrum. And not only that, also have a conversation before you do them, like before even audition started, like this is what we're trying to go for because it's a school and you're trying to have an educational experience, both as artists and as people. And And Adding Machine was directed by Tomei Cousins, who was a black man. Like, I think I said that, but I couldn't remember. I said, but but it's, it's that idea of explaining where it is that you're coming from with picking these shows and what you're trying to do and and creating as safe an, ex- an environment as possible and yeah uh i understand completely where what your friend was talking about with the n-word and parade like absolutely that it's triggering and that's traumatizing especially when it's kind of done so casually right and that's because the, then it almost feels like you're being gaslighted it's like am i feeling yeah. am i crazy now for feeling so uh, uptight and like anxious about this when no one else is and it's like right. no and you always do have to check yourself because it, it is a, it's a case-by-case basis not i don't mean that with like all things in regards to race i just mean all things in regards to life mm-hmm. you always need to say like take a moment to reflect and go am i overworked being overworked by this and then when you check yourself and you go i'm not it's just that no everybody else is being too casual now then it's like well we need to have right. a conversation about this because this is this is where toxic bile comes in and this is a big theme in slave play which mm. as we discussed I didn't particularly like but I think is a very interesting piece sure um although I did also see maybe I am racist because I did see bright room call day a few weeks later and I had the same experience where I was like I don't think this is a good play but I like this more than slave play so like maybe it's just cuz I'm racist uh but no, I mean it's it's they both they both are. Plays. Don't forget to review our show. Don't forget to review our show. I might be racist. I might five stars. I might be. Please write rate us and oh leave review. God. Five stars. I might be racist. Oh, oh my god. No. Well, we, sound sound bites. I mean, it's 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 what it is. It's it's um it's obliviousness and uh, ignorance and yes, it's a lot of ignorance. Yeah, it's uh, how I everybody <clears throat> views things differently. How you and I view a specific show is different based off of who we are, our life journeys, and what led us to that moment. Sure. And it's true of everyone. So again, as you said, what I might not view as racist, someone else could. And it's not that either one of us is 
Right. It's just that our viewpoints lead us to that conclusion, and it's about listening to each other and and, and taking each other's mind frames into account. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm trying to be more aware of stuff like that when I'm watching things of like I don't find this object object objectionable objectionable. Yes. Words. Oh I don't God. find this objectionable, but it was like your face someone during else. that was, was priceless. You were like, I'm dead, dead, dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There, I feel like there's there's got to be some Drag Race clip where like one of the queens tries to say a word and they can't. Um, eloquence, but flase da, flase da. But I'm I've, when I watch it, I think I might not find this objectionable, but someone else might, and right. I, and trying to figure out like where that could come from. So yeah, I mean, I also. Th- on the other end of things, I think we as a generation, our generation specifically, should have a bit of thicker skin. Not to say that we can't be uh, hurt or offended by things, but that if if we let tiny things, and I'm not saying that parade or slave play are tiny things. They are big things. But tiny things, like if I were to call you gay right now and you were to get sad about it, it's like, bitch, get a thicker skin. Because then when I come down the street with like a broken bottle for your neck, like that's something to get to get offended by you know honey how could i have thicker skin when i am just moisturized for the gods how can you have silky smooth how can you have thicker skin when you're already so thick (laughs) you're just so thick you have no that was so bad you're thick mentally and you've got a thick midsection thank you thank (laughs) absolutely absolutely so yeah with that in mind guys let's start like wrapping up this 2019 uh john what are your uh hopes and dreams for the 2020 I hope I keep living. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't even like say that that's a reach. I know. I honestly like the bar has been set by this year, so it's like, oh wow, you made it through 2019 though. Yeah, 2019, and your hair looks lovely. 20, so. Thanks, bitch. 2019 tried to kill me. Um, she didn't. But just like Anna Kendrick found out, it's impossible, bitch. <laughs> what? That bitch, Anna Kendrick. What did no, she do? I, I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to start rumors on all that the Anna chat, Kendrick all almost the, died. No, the Anna Kendrick almost killed me. Oh, we're in that famous feud. You oh. know? Are you? Yeah. When did that happen? Oh, are you? Is this on Twitter? Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't I don't follow John's Twitter. No, well, I was. I thought you were gonna make a. I thought you were gonna make a. I thought that's, you were gonna make a camp reference. The she's fucked. I'm ready, and the goddamn show must go on. So no, let's get cracking, shall no, we? No, no, no. No, I was just um st- starting false rumors. Yeah. No. Um. My my goals for 2020 are just kind of the same thing as they always are. Uh, yeah, just joy, mm-hmm. um, laughter, love, food, friends. Um, I, I want to write more. Um, I think I want to get like a weird hobby. You know what I mean? No, yeah. no. I talked. We were talking to someone the other day, and she was like, "Yeah, um, I have to go to my knitting club." And I was like, "Oh my god, she has a hobby." People and then she was like, knitting. "And tomorrow I have my synchronized swimming club." And I was like, "Oh my god, that's right. We live where there's a place where there's so many things to do." Mm-hmm. So part of me wants to get a hobby, but I feel like my hobby is just going to be like um, basket in. weaving. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be. It's probably going to be. Some, I'm, I I I don't normally do social hobbies. Um, yeah. What about mm-hmm. you? <laughs> What a weird note to end on. No, but I mean, it's because it's our last one before 2020, or the one last one with the two of us. No, I mean, like, what a weird thing to say, like, I hope to do something, but it involves no one else but me. Yeah, no, it's, that sounds about right for you. Um, I hope to continue this podcast. I hope to continue to phase you out of it. (laughs) 
Um, I mean, we're, we're getting close. We're getting close. No, this has been, I would say this has been a very productive year with the podcast. Uh, we definitely produced the most episodes in a year ever. Yeah. Um, which, which is like good. I feel proud of us on that. Um, yes. Continuing the work and, and writing. Uh, I would like to finish two projects that I sort of have had on the back burner. I'm like going to be gung ho about that. Uh, and just sort of like, you know, try to create more sense of my life. 2018 was a struggle. Mm. Um, and 2019 was a lot better, but it was more sort of like 2018 created the, the, the debris, the, the mm. damage. And then 2019 was just sort of viewing the damage and assessing. Yeah. Um, so it, I can't really say 2019 was like a great year, but it was sort of like a, okay, I was able to sort of view everything in my life but right before 2020, before I turned 30. Ew. I know. I How know. Old. How old? She's old bitch. Um, and yeah, I've I've 2019 is actually starting to end on a nice note. The course was a very good decision to make. Yeah. I've made some lovely friends. I can't help but notice that John didn't come see me perform. It's fine. I'm sorry. It's I fine. thought about it, but I've just I've been so sick too. Like I, I literally one of the reasons why too. Like last time we recorded, like I was so incredibly sick, yeah. but I knew that we had to record, and I had no other time. Yeah, like no, you didn't look great. I, I didn't feel great. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Um. So I've I've just been sick the whole time. I mean, I still have a cough, but like, I'm sorry. I would have. I'm a bad friend. You are. A, like you're a like I friend. like I said, the things that I like most involve um not people. no one. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch, I'm the fucking same. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. That's I mean, like, yeah. I I don't really know what 2020 has in store for me. I'm trying not to put expectations. Well, on Well, if you did, you'd be a witch, and I would burn you. <laughs> Just like Anna Kendrick. Just like Anna Kendrick. Just like that episode of Twin Peaks, I assume. I've never seen an episode of Twin Neither Peaks. Neither have I. But I, from what I understand, everything has always happened on that show. Sure. So sometimes I'll, my friend Christine and I will say to each other, like, after something weird happens, we're like, just like on Twin Peaks, I assume. <laughs> Great. I assume. Um, um, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think for our listeners out there, for you, I wish you the happiest of holidays. I guess we both wish you. We could both. I'll speak for the two of us. <laughs> And Thanks, Daddy. Not just me. We both wish you the happiest of holidays. And as you are going into your 2020, just remember to carry on with light and love and tell your friends about the podcast because <laughs> and, then we'll get more listeners. Yes, and rate us and su- and subscribe and review us. The only, well, yeah, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It, it helps. It helps with the algorithm of iTunes. The more ratings we get, the more reviews we get. And it helps with my algorithm, honey. <laughs> The algorithm of the night. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that's all we have to say. That's it, uh, let's get ourselves a diva. Diva today. You pick. I feel like I've picked the last couple times, even though you've then told me that I've been like wrong or <laughs> you've been wrong. Well, no. Like, this is this is. It's a wonderful problem to have where we are now getting to a number of episodes where we're starting to repeat ourselves or like mm. we're coming up with people we've done before, and that's a fun problem to have where it's like, oh, we're like we're starting to like accumulate a large number of episodes we're getting old we're getting old um you know what i'm gonna continue the drama and pick miss anna kendrick <gasps> how dare you how like dare I? I what if i felt like what if it was just a random one from into the woods of the quick little birds picked through the ashes i would love that little girls um no that line's not in the movie uh no but i'll do anna kendrick i'll, I'll right. figure out which one i want exactly all right, all right. All right thank you everybody thank all you right so i'll see you in 2020 guys see you in 2020 bye, bye. merry christmas
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.